Welcome to the Corporate Treasury 101 podcast. In this first part of our interview with Leanne Perkins, Assistant Treasurer at Specialized Bicycle Components and member of the NACHA Advisory Board, we discuss the ideal structure of a Treasury Department and what Treasury maturity is. We were really keen on interviewing Leanne as she is an amazing Treasury advocate and a fantastic guest. You will soon discover how and why in the episode. In the episode of today, expect to learn what does the Treasury Department look like, what is Treasury maturity, how Treasury maturity differs between the US and the Europe Treasury Departments, how to go from a non-mature to a mature Treasury Department, and how do you actually create shareholder value as a Treasury Department, and much, much more. Our conversation with Leanne Perkins was a delightful experience. Her insightful perspectives and expert consultations were truly commendable, and we thoroughly enjoyed our discussion. And we hope you will enjoy it too. If that is the case, please consider leaving us a review on your favorite podcast app. Your support means the world to Hussam and I, and it helps the podcast thrive so we can interview more and more amazing guests like Leanne. With all that being said, please welcome Leanne Perkins. So Leanne, thank you so much for coming on Corporate Treasury 101. We're going to delve a lot more into what treasury departments look like and how to future-proof your treasury department today. A super exciting topic. But to get us started then, can you walk us through what our treasury department is composed of? Is it just a room full of people doing the same thing or how is it usually split up and optimized? Yeah, well, thank you guys. Thanks for having me to talk treasury. It's one of my favorite topics of conversation. So appreciate the opportunity. Treasury for me is an area that I think is quite underserved and underrated in companies. It's a function that I think is a little newer to companies than your traditional finance roles of, of tax and accounting. But nevertheless, it is getting the recognition it deserves, particularly after COVID. So we've had some changes in how treasury is seen in companies. And typically, you would have a structure that consists of analysts or accountants who do bank reconciliations and look at cash on a daily basis, ensure inflows and outflows meet the needed levels of cash requirements. But as Treasury has become more useful to a company and become more involved in the finance function, it really needs to look like a normal, well, I say normal, <laughs> but a traditional finance function in a company. And therefore, the structure of the Treasury Department should always follow strategy. We know that structure follows strategy, form follows function. So therefore, how you set up a treasury department in a company is really important to ensure you know where you're going with the department, what you are trying to accomplish, and that will determine the structure of the team. So to answer your question, you typically have a lean team. Treasury departments are usually follow um, powerful curious, self-motivated employees who really want to learn and improve. 
So it's typically very lean where employees are doing more than one process. But the important part with any finance function is to ensure you have segregation of duties. So that would typically mean you have a front, a middle, and a back office operations. You usually would have a treasurer who uh, reports directly to the CFO. And then you could have various levels of management and analysts underneath it. But I think the, the main point is, is to say that as long as the structure of that team is, is following the strategy of not only the department, but the company as well, that's how you get a, a good and fully functioning treasury department. Very clear. And so you said it was very lean. And I think most of the conversations we have with uh, guests on the podcast, they, lean is another word for understaffed <laughs> at times. So if you were making a bare bones treasury department, what would those roles sort of look like? Like you'd say, okay, look, you have to separate out your, I don't know, cash manager from your Y person and, and et cetera, et cetera. Like, is there anything like this? Or could you have a one-man band in treasury um, or is That's there really not? Yeah, no, it's a really great question and a very good topic of discussion because we talk about this in the industry a lot. The functions of a treasury department are usually dictated by, you know, the type of company, the industry you're in, and the level of sophistication. That would be a great way to staff up a treasury department. And, and you said it, we're usually very lean, understaffed is a good word to use. And we're usually seen as professionals who are interchangeable with our skill sets. So there has been many occasions and still are where treasury departments are a one or two person department, which I think it's not doing justice to the company and neither to the treasury profession as a whole, because there is so much more that a treasury department can do. We are not where we were 30 years ago, where treasury was cash management. We are so much more than that. In, in fact, there's five specific areas of treasury that treasury professionals have education and experience in to bring to the company. So if you were to start and build a bare bones treasury department, you would at least have to have separation between cash management and the operations side. You always need to have segregation of duties and one person reviewing and one person entering information, particularly when it comes to payments. We know that fraud is the most important thing on our radar in Treasury these days. And if you don't have more than one person to help with these areas, you're doing a disservice not only to the company, but to the professionals themselves, because the risk just when you have fewer people to look after important functions. And I think it's also difficult when you only have a one or two person team because you do need to provide vacations and time off and life happens. You can't just ensure that these two persons run a department 365. So I think it's it's really important to to put the right people into the department and to make sure that at least your your base levels have separations of duty. And you have experienced treasury professionals in the department to help with the areas where they're a little too lean. Makes a lot of sense. And I suppose it also depends on just how automated your processes are, right? I mean, if you are, if you have someone opening your bank uh, accounts every day and taking your statements out and doing all of your 
analysis like that manually, you really can't afford to have people offer it if you're tight on cash. That's right. Yes, because you need to know where your cash is every single day. And I think the problem with, with smaller treasury departments is you tend to work on more of the urgent work and less of the important work. And you're not going to mature as a department if you perpetually do that. So I think the message is clear and out there to the industry that treasury needs to be taken more seriously and we need to fill it with, with professionals who can help the company achieve its goals. Oh, very, very clear. Do you, do you see a difference in that? I guess you could say the importance that companies give to the treasury departments, but like overall the, the maturity or the, the roles and the size of treasury departments between regions? It seems like, at least from our experience with this podcast and the guests we speak to, that the U.S. is a little bit more advanced in their treasury capabilities. Uh, do, do you see a difference reflected in how the departments are built between regions as well? Yeah, I think you can. And I think it also depends on whether you have a centralized or decentralized treasury structure. I think, at least in my experience, I've actually seen countries outside of the U.S. be more advanced in their treasury setups. Uh, just, I think depends on what companies you've been in but it does depend on you know the type of work you're doing and just the the level of involvement that the finance and the cfo team want treasury to have and what i've seen in the past is cfos who come from more of a banking or a, a, a pe uh, path or cfos who come from a cpa side there's usually a difference in their understanding of how treasury fits into a company and their worth to a company and I think it's the treasurer's goal now to promote the function, to be able to show our use and and the importance of staffing us up, of giving us training so that our our regions and our different units across the world are equally staffed, equally educated, and can provide the same value. And I think it's not really up to treasurers to just hope that people are looking after their careers it's actually vice the the opposite the vice versa where treasurers have to step up and be advocates for change and advocates for the function so that they can get the visibility and the expertise that is needed to help companies move up and and mature that's super interesting because indeed i guess throughout all industries you've seen advancements in technology for example which is just reshaping everything and it seems just be getting faster and faster right. so that triggers a question like have you seen that over time that really the face of treasury departments has been changing um, yes due to that absolutely i it, it's twofold um i think the the one that started it very foundationally was the advancement of technologies and automations as you mentioned and you know i've been in treasury for about 19 years and my very first job as a treasury analyst was learning how to use SAP. And SAP 19 years ago to where it is today is a completely different tool, but it has come such a long way and it has helped the treasury function to just automate, to um, do more with less and to provide accuracy and information that we didn't have in real time you know, 19 years ago. So I think um, automation has also been built a lot for the treasury function in mind because there is, you know, a company, regardless of whether they have a treasury department or not, is always going to be involved with banks and payments and 
vendors and, and lending. So you need to know as a department how you can interact with these vendors and banks in a in a easier and more automated fashion. So banks are are spending a lot of money in research and creating automated products that assist the treasury department. So there has been a lot of changes in that area. Um, it does take time, obviously, because there's a lot of compliance and there's a lot of risk related to automation. And you need IT departments that can help as well. So I think I've definitely seen changes in automation and it's very exciting. And I think one of the reasons why I have such a passion for Treasury is that we have this ability to use what technology is being put out in the market to enable our jobs to be easier to do and to be more useful to a company and free up our time as well. But I think the other part that's enabled Treasury to become so visible to CFOs and the finance function was COVID. Even though that was obviously a very difficult time for the world and for people impacted, it really gave Treasury the chance to shine because there's nothing like a crisis that brings, you know, the ability to to provide some sort of um, usefulness to a function. And in the U.S., you know, we had a lot of government assistance for companies that when we went through the the depth of COVID. And it was up to the Treasury Department to find the banks that were providing these loans to get them the, the documents done and to get the approvals and to get the cash in the bank when we needed them. And there was only so much cash to go around. So it was those Treasury Departments that were proactive that had nurtured their relationships with their banks ahead of time before they needed them and who just you know spent the time getting these products approved. Those were the the departments that actually could help the companies raise cash and and get the funds when they needed them most. And I think tra- uh, COVID just gave treasurers the ability to be just seen by other departments, particularly the the CFO and the board. And it also gave us a chance too to use the the systems that we had put in place to be able to create forecasts. Um, more rapidly and more often than we normally would. We would do it once a week in, in most normal normal times. But during COVID, we were having to produce these on a daily basis, sometimes twice a day. And so, you know, it just gave treasury departments the ability to use the systems and the plans they had put in place years before to be able to to shine in the time that we all needed them most. I love that you that you bring that up, uh, Leanne. I can't can't help but thinking that. The current recession, or however we'd like to call it, crisis or potential downturn of the economy, is also bringing that up, right? Um, when we think about the volatility, for instance, because Treasury, as you said, oftentimes is understaffed and uh, it can be seen as, oh, yeah, okay, another cost center. Whereas if you manage properly your cash, that's probably millions of return you can, I mean, you can auto finance a Treasury department if you have a proper. FX hedging in place. Well, how many millions on your balance sheet? I'm talking big companies, obviously, but it can really turn into a profitable cost center given it's properly managed and with proper setup in place and with pro- a proper treasury maturity vision and, uh, and future proofing. Which is me back to this um, technology piece that you were mentioning. Uh, it's, it's constantly evolving. So 
what is the, the right place to be today in terms of structure technology-wise? Do we want Treasury Department to have a, a TMS up and running? You mentioned SAP. Is it something treasurers must develop skills on? I'm thinking about payment factories. What's your What's your view on this? Yeah. And I, I think, again, it, it comes down to, you know, what does the company need? It has to be fit for purpose. I personally don't believe that you can ever mature a treasury function if you don't automate. You There is just too much work, um, inflows and outflows. There's too much risk. There's a lot of e exception reporting. And there is just too much manual work to to ever get out of the weeds if you don't use a system, a technology system. And I think the great thing about advancements we've seen over the years is that TMA systems are not the large capital outflows that they used to be 10, 15 years ago. They used to require incredible amounts of, of capital and, and upkeep and expense during the year. And now we have a lot of cloud-based systems that are modularized so you can buy the piece that your company needs it's fit for purpose you can set a great foundation for what you need for your particular company and you can scale on that so i think the minimum is having automation in your cash positioning whether that be atms or um a, a connected connectivity to your bank where you can get daily reports i mean if you don't know where your cash is in what currency, in what country, and how to deploy it, you will not have a good foundation to run treasury from. So I think at the minimum, that's what you need. Then I think the next step is is cash flow forecasting, particularly for your 13-week rolling cash forecast. Companies that are just continually using spreadsheets and have no vision to use automation in this area are going to struggle going forward. And it, particularly when we're in economic recession or, or difficulties, forecasting becomes the tool that everybody relies on. Its accuracy is more important in these types of stressful economic times. And there are so many solutions that are really cost effective to implement and to um, use with your TMS system and your cash positioning reporting to be able to give you the information you need in a matter of minutes. Otherwise, by the time you've finished compiling and reconciling your forecast, the information is already stale. So I think those are the two really main foundational pieces that a treasury department needs. And the other one is any type of broad mitigation technology should be implemented into a company. I think where we live in this world where Fraud is a a daily occurrence, and it's it's not if it's going to happen; it's when it's going to happen to companies. So, if those are the three really important areas that Treasury has to concentrate on as a foundation for technology, and then to answer your your second question is, Treasury departments do need additional technology skills. Gone are the days where we all just got away with, you know, being really good at Excel and having advanced Excel skills. There is so much more that we're using in companies that's integrating into the finance departments that we have to be able to know how to use. And, you know, treasury professionals are, are usually people who want to just be able to help themselves. They want to know how the system works and how they can get the information they need. They don't want to rely on 
asking others for reports or, you know, having information fed to them. We need the information usually in real time. So I think we do need to sharpen out our technology skills and we need to be trained on them because it's evolving all the time. It's it's not a you know, you you understand technology today and that's it. It is it's evolving, which is what makes, you know, being agile and curious a really important behavioral skill for for yeah. treasury professionals. What would be a quick win uh, for the people listening who are like, okay, yeah, I definitely need to upskill technology wise. Where would you recommend to put the focus on that could directly bring you up to the next level in terms of either automation, I don't know, learning a language, a programming language. What's your what's your recommendation? Yeah. You know, I think if you're lucky to work in a company that provides training, then I would say it's it's really important to go on project management courses. I think that's incredibly important because any type of technology you implement is usually a project. So, so I would recommend that as a, as a skill. But on the technology side, I would say that if you already have a treasury workstation or any type of cloud-based software that you're working with, the quick wins are to go to those vendors and ask them for training. And they usually have, oftentimes it's free training on their websites or they have conferences you can go on, or you can teach yourself through those um, different types of offerings they have on their websites. But I think quick wins are usually ensuring that you understand the the way the program is functioning for your particular task that you have to complete on a daily or a weekly basis. There's also, you know, training from your IT team. Oftentimes they're very good at understanding and, and figuring out how these these systems work. So you can go internally. But also, and you know, this may, may sound odd, but a lot of my training I do. I use YouTube. I look for professionals who know what they're doing, who who understand how to explain how a system works. I, I'm not at the point in my career where I'm going to really go out and learn how to program in C or Python. That's not my skill set. But there's ways that I can learn from others who know how to do it, who can help me make my job a little easier or understand my technology. So if we were to uh, look at your uh, YouTube videos history, Liad, what would be the, the last tutorials, uh, how to, how to what's um, on YouTube? What did you learn recently? Uh, that's a really good question. I learned, <laughs> uh, <laughs> even though I just said, I don't know how to, how to use Python. I did actually YouTube, what is Python? How do you use it? <laughs> and I quickly figured out that's not something that I'm really good at. But I actually, I did go onto YouTube and look for some how-to videos on the TMS system that we're using. And we do have those, um, a lot of those programs on the TMS website itself, but I needed just a little bit more understanding. So I, I use YouTube for that. And I also, my YouTube channels consist of just understanding a lot more on the accounting side and how, given the economy we're in right now, how does global economy changes and um, interest rates impact our, our foreign exchange program? And particularly, how do, does that relate to the accounting of it and where it sits on our financial statements and relation to EBITDA? So how, how can I do use any levers on my side um, where I sit in Treasury to, impact, to positively impact EBITDA the way we, we manage our covenants? So that's what I've been up to. Makes a lot of sense. And as a, if I can offer a little bit of a consultant view, 
I can only vouch on how valuable uh, being able to go in the nitty gritty of the systems, the treasury systems, TMSs, payment factories, all this kind of stuff. It's ultra valuable. So I think that's that's a really good advice you give here. Learning about the TMS, the company is using, um, how to do the nitty gritty, understand how it's set up. That's uh, I think that's a really good one. Okay, so we have a we have quite enough of an understanding on how the treasury department is structured, what are the advices on where to look at, how to make it more future-proof, or how to have a strong and solid base. Mm-hmm. Now, could you help us define what treasury maturity means and is? How would you define it? Yeah, so for me, you know, treasury maturity is the evolution of the treasury department and its processes over time. It ranges from being a treasury department that's very manual with a lack of controls. It would be considered very inefficient. There's no set structures and policies and procedures. So that is your very base level of of treasury. That's step one. And then to go to a mature treasury state would be one where there is great amounts of efficiency. There's a inclusion of automation in everything you do. It is very procedural driven. And also it's using automation to ensure that processes can be replicated and ideally in all the regions and areas and hubs that the company works in a very standardized manner. This makes it easier for the company, the accounting departments and the auditors at the end of um, the quarter or the year that all or as many as possible processes are standardized. And I think, as I said earlier, you know, you can't mature a function without automation. So if there's one thing that's embedded in treasury maturity, it's bringing automation into the treasury department. Super clearly, and what's the one red flag you see in a non-mature department? So if you were to walk into any department and go, oh, okay, if they're still doing that, definitely not. There's a specific task that just has to be automated. That you don't see enough, and I and I think there's there would be more than one, but the one that's really concerning to me is the lack of controls. And you know, given that Treasury manages and is in you know in charge of cash out the door, I think it's incredibly important that you have a system that allows segregation or enforces segregation of duties. You cannot have one person entering and approving payments that go out the door. And I think a lot of times, you know, I've heard that we trust our people, they're not going to do anything wrong, which is oftentimes the case. It's not always about being, you know, nefarious as a person. It's about people getting into your systems, um, hackers, BEC scams. The list goes on about how difficult it is to to work in a, an online banking environment because you are just ripe for the picking. So when you don't have segregation of duties, I would say that is absolutely the very first area you have to look at to automate to ensure that you can use straight through processing or you can have at, le- at the minimum a system that ensures segregation of duties on the payment side. Very clear. No, sounds very important indeed, I guess. Um, having the right controls in place. And you mentioned hacking. There's also like social hacking, right? Which is not even just like technology, but also if one person's in charge, they can be scammed or um, yes, or anything else as well. So definitely makes a lot of sense. And 
so what is that process of going from a non-mature, if that's the way you can say it, like a, a, a treasury department, which isn't very automated, um, doesn't have the right controls in place towards one that is a lot more mature? Like what is the right yeah. framework to apply or how does a company embark on that journey? I, I think this is the crux of this conversation and, and the most important part of getting from where you are today to where you want to be. And I, I think with treasury maturity, your goal in the treasury department should be to create an anti-fragile department, one that can withstand all of these exogenous shocks and the external and internal influences that exist in the world and impact the treasury department. You have to be a department that's proactive and educated in treasury and a department that pays attention to global events. So that is absolutely your goal of where you're trying to get to. So where do you start? You start with who you hire. And I, I just, I think that the treasury department is full of people who can ultimately be a think tank for the company and influence the company in many positive ways. So that all, that whole process starts with who you hire and you want to hire treasury professionals who are truly in it to want it. They need to be advocates who want to be part of the change, who really enjoy transformation. Um, they're continual learners. They it, are very aware of technology and automation that's out there and they personally can figure it out and and know what's best to help the company along its journey and then you you also want to hire professionals who want to ensure that they have a foundational excellence so the department has something to grow on and to grow from and to scale on for the future so these employees are very tenacious and they're just going to make it happen even through difficult times and then thirdly you need to uh, you know to hire those people who have those two types of mindsets but they also know they have to do the day-to-day -day work it's there we got to make sure it happens so they keep an eye on the day-to-day -day, but they also keep an eye on the future on global events on emerging fraud schemes on emerging compliance requirements that are always changing in our industry and they're keeping an eye on new technology. So, so these treasury professionals that you're hiring, they are keenly risk aware. They're the type who, who create business continuity plans. They know things are going to happen in the future. So they already have solutions today that they can put in place in the future when they're most needed. So I think the right teams make all the difference. So getting from an immature to a mature state starts with who you hire. And then you think about, you know, procedurally, how do you go about doing this? This is the time consuming part. So you, you started, you've hired the right people. How do you get there? So I think you start with understanding as a team where you are in the maturity level. It's okay. If you're right at the bottom, at least you know that, and you know that you have a ladder to grow from. And I think you um, you start with knowing what you're not doing right. So as you talked about earlier, you know what is the one thing that you need to fix in a very immature treasury department? You look for that. What is that? Is it is it implementing a system so you can ensure ensure segregation of duties? 
Is it ensuring that you're working in a compliant and, and regulatory manner that's required for your jurisdiction? So know what you're not doing and look for ways how to fix that. And I think you also, in that way, you need to know what your department's strengths are, what their career ambitions and goals are, and how you can use their skills and knowledge to help you on this journey as you mature the function. And then I think the other part of that is, you know, like we've discussed uh, for a while now, that automation and systems are very important. But when you're in this very immature state, how do you get those systems in place? How do you get the money? How do you get the resources to put these systems into place? And that's where you have to have people in your department who have influencing skills. And you don't really think about that when you think of treasury. You think about very skilled technology professionals and people who are keenly aware of risk. But the influencing and the storytelling abilities, I think, are key these days. And that's what you see in very mature, very profitable treasury centers. They're filled with treasury professionals who have influencing skills, who have the ability to tell the story behind the data. And they are great leaders and really good at change management. So I think when you're hiring you need to hire for what you need today, but also for, for where you want to be in the future, because these are all the things that are required to help you get to a mature function. And it's like, um, what I think you said there just reminds me of a line that mutual friend, uh, Mike Richards always says, which is treasury is a people's business at the end of the day. That's right. Yeah. He's definitely dead. an important part. Yeah. So we've we've talked thoroughly about how you get from absolutely non-mature and future-proof uh, treasury departments. How about the extreme opposite? Have you seen um, and what will be the best practice and latest advancements in treasury organizations that embodies this future-proofing on top of people skill sets, uh, treasury technologies? What does it look like best in class? Yes. So best in class and I personally know treasurers who run best-in-class treasury departments and they are just my heroes. I think it must be so great to have gone through the journey of going from the, the very foundation to being best-in-class. And what that looks like is it's it's the department that is is fully optimized in all areas, including automation, having the right skill set and treasury professionals in place, and optimizing how you do your work. And things in Treasury change a lot. You know, it can go from year to year where we have to change how we work. Um, a lot of the times it's because of external regulations changing or just the strategy of the company changing. But a truly mature Treasury department has its foundation so well set and it's put in place procedures that can help it change on a dime when it needs to. So it's optimized, but also its objectives are, are formally defined and they are able to link their treasury strategy to the broader corporate strategy. And most importantly, the treasury strategy is able to be linked to creating shareholder value because at the end of the day, that's what the treasury department needs to uh, adhere to is we have to be able to help the company ensure shareholder value creation. So a fully mature Treasury department is optimized, they're agile, their strategy meets the, the broader corporate strategy. They are usually considered a think tank or a center of excellence where if the company needs 
any information on how processes should run, how they should be able to, how, how the company can move into different geographies, can use different payment methods, can change um, how they're paying the customer or who, even who the customer is. They are an area that can support the change of, of the company's strategy because they have the expertise and they have those nurtured relationships with their banks and their vendors globally to be able to put solutions in place for the company as they needed. Typically, they also use in-house bank structures. They have consolidated their bank accounts to have virtual bank account structures. They have really good pooling arrangements and they're optimized on their foreign exchange programs as well. So I think at the end of the day, it, to sum it up, is to just say that the way that the Treasury Department is structured is in line with the strategy of the company. And as the company changes, so can a mature Treasury Department.